Lake Effect brings you conversations about what's happening in Milwaukee and the people, places, and organizations that shape our community. This is Lake Effect Spotlight from WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. NPR White House correspondent Tamara Keith is in Wisconsin this week. She's scheduled to speak at UW-Madison tomorrow night about declining trust in traditional media. Keith is also the co-host of NPR's Politics Podcast and current president of the White House Correspondents Association. So who better to ask about the political activity that's gained a national spotlight on Wisconsin? Keith joins WUWM's Chuck Kornbach, and they begin by looking at why Wisconsin will be important in the 2024 presidential race. There is no indication that uh, you are losing your status as a key battleground. I mean, if you look back, President Biden won by about 20,000 votes in 2020, and former President Trump won by just under 23,000 in 2016. That is, you know, a pretty narrow margin there and the type of margin that makes you a battleground for sure. And I absolutely expect that that will be the case again this cycle. I haven't seen any like dramatic shifts in in demographics or otherwise that would change that. And from what you've been seeing, uh, Joe Biden is uh, running again? Uh, By all accounts, uh, the other day he uh, was giving an award to someone who won back-to-back Pulitzers, and, and he made a joke about wanting to go back to back himself. You know, President Biden has been saying since almost immediately after taking office, his very first press conference as president, he was asked whether he would run for reelection. And he said that he was planning to. Um, and nothing has changed. He continues to say that he plans to, though he also has said that um, he believes in fate or he's a big believer in fate. But all indications are that there will be a campaign for re-election. It's just a matter of when and what form it will take and what city it will be headquartered from, things like that. Okay, yeah, he's, he's been here in Wisconsin just a few weeks ago, and his cabinet secretaries have been here and so on. Um, meanwhile, on the other side, I'm, I'm sure it's all settled, right? Uh, but let me ask, before Republicans come to Milwaukee for the RNC convention in the summer of 24, Uh, Well, just how bruising is their presidential primary going to be? Well, it's already been quite bruising, clearly. Uh, And former President Trump is clearly the front runner. That doesn't mean that he'll stay the front runner. But he has a basically what looks now to be a titanium piece of the pie of the Republican electorate. And then you have a, you know, a whole raft of people who are making all the motions of presidential candidates, that is, visiting key early states, writing books and going on book tours to key early states. And and so there is sort of an open question of how many of these people who have entertained the idea of getting in actually will get in and whether the Trump meat grinder that was quite effective in 2015 and 2016 will work in the same way this time, or whether one of these candidates can emerge. Yeah, and, and, and takes the stage in Milwaukee as the nominee. That'll be, that'll be fun to watch. You know, uh, we've also got a U.S. Senate election in Wisconsin next year, presumably involving Democratic incumbent Tammy Baldwin. The uh, signs you've been seeing in Washington of another battleground in that race? You know, the, the Senate map, as 
favorable, and it wasn't that favorable, but as favorable as it was for Democrats in 2022 or as winnable as it was for Democrats in 2022, it's um, a very difficult map for them in 2024. You know, the top of the list of Democrats who could have trouble, Tammy Baldwin is not at the top of that list, but probably only because there are uh, senators from Montana and West Virginia, which are like deep red states uh, who are Democrats, um, who are more endangered. But absolutely, she, you know, her her last race, she won fairly handily. And it's really hard to make any sorts of predictions about a Senate race this far out, in part because as we learned in the last cycle and we learned in 2012 and we learned many times over, candidate selection, the candidate that makes it out of the primary, can be absolutely critical to how how the race actually turns out and how competitive it ultimately ends up being. Yeah, several Republicans being mentioned, but I don't think there are any firm candidates yet, but that could change very soon, I guess. Um, so, let me uh, also ask, uh, just next week, uh, we've got a nationally watched state Supreme Court race here. What are you hearing in Washington? Why are donors and national politicians uh, paying attention to this race? Is it somewhat about the 2024 presidential race and political redistricting, or what do you think? Well, it is an off year, and it is a big election in an off year. Now, what is surprising is that it is a big election. Like, in theory, this is a nonpartisan race for uh, the state Supreme Court. But of course, it has taken on much bigger stakes. And on the line are, are things like uh, abortion rights and, and as you say, the district maps, the legislative lines and congressional lines in the state. Because it's an off year there, you know, this is a place where a lot of the money is flowing, the, you know, the available political money. But, uh, you know, also, this is an indication of sort of the permanent campaign in America. Things that used to be nonpartisan or uh, real sleepers aren't anymore. Things like school board races or, or state Supreme Court races. And in this case, the balance of power on the court is at stake. Uh, not that they're should be a balance of power on a court, but you know what I mean. And because of that, uh, the sort of the ideological balance, I mean, this is getting a lot of national attention. Yeah, and a lot of spending and perhaps the most spending ever for a judicial contest. Um, so, you're, so you're coming to Wisconsin this week uh, for maybe a little bit different reason, though. You're going to be speaking at the UW-Madison, a uh, topic being declining trust in traditional media. What do you mean? What are, what are some examples of that decline? Well, the the examples are plenty. Uh, but if you if you just look at Gallup polling, they have been polling about trust in American institutions going back to the 1970s. And it's been just this incredibly steep decline in American trust in the press. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And and I will be getting into those in my remarks. But, you know, Part of it is that media has become more diffuse, that people can uh, choose a news source that makes them feel good or tells them what they want to hear or otherwise sort of reinforces their views. There is certainly the every president dislikes their coverage. That is to be accepted. But 
every president except one has at least given lip service to the idea of the importance of a free and independent press. Former President Trump called us the enemy of the people. He actively treated the press as a foil uh, and and worked to denigrate trust in the media as a way of then being able to tell his supporters that don't trust them, trust me. And so we are in this moment where people just don't believe what they're seeing in the news or they don't believe that other news source, but they do believe their news source or even worse They say, well, you know, I don't trust the mainstream media. I'm going to do my own research. And they trust some rando on YouTube who does not uh, have to follow the same sort of journalistic standards and principles that those of us who are journalists feel a responsibility to follow. So let me ask you about your institution, NPR. I imagine there are discussions about this trust issue. What has NPR committed to in the way of fairness and attempting to be a reliable news source that it has been, in my mind, for 45 years? Well, as an organization, we are dedicated to reporting the truth. We are um, very conscious and and careful about not putting lies on the air uh, unless we also provide context. And we also are quite careful about not putting our own views into our journalism or not letting our own views uh, color our journalism. Of course, every journalist is a human being who has thoughts and ideas and uh, feelings, but those feelings should not come through in our reporting. And uh, NPR, you know, has a standards and practices editor and um, and we are we're constantly working on on these things and pressing ourselves and and uh, vetting our work. And we also have stringent requirements about unnamed sources and getting uh, clearance to use an unnamed source. And if, God forbid, we have to correct a story, that correction is not hidden. <laughs> that correction is quite prominent on our website, which, you know, is something that people in the fake news business, they don't have to worry about running corrections. They just plow ahead and um, that's a real difference is that corrections are, are very serious business for us. Finally, you know, you're not you're not busy. <laughs> you're not busy enough. Uh, let me uh, ask about you being the president of the White House Correspondents Association. Uh, what's that like? Uh, what should our audience know about the people covering the White House? Yeah, it, it's an elected position. I was elected by my fellow White House correspondents, and it is a second full-time job. Uh, it is a huge amount of work. And what we do is mostly work behind the scenes to make sure that the press corps is able to cover the president. That includes everything from travel logistics to arguing that the full pool should be in the room for certain events, arguing for greater access to other events or other spaces at the White House so that a large uh, cross-section of journalists can see the president in action. Uh, the pool is the probably the most sacred part of our work. The pool is 13 reporters who travel with the president wherever he goes. Uh, if the president is in public, uh, the pool is there with him. And it is a critically important thing. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. It, it often means like 
you know, waiting outside of a ballroom while the president speaks at a fundraiser late at night or, or other things that are entirely unglamorous. Much time spent filing uh, spots from the back of a van speeding down a highway somewhere in America. But it is essential to have independent eyes on the president. You know, the White House can put out an image of the president, but journalists putting out images of the president, reporting on what he's doing, that um, gives the entire world confidence that the American president is actually doing what they say he's doing. Tamara Keith is NPR White House correspondent and co-host of NPR's Politics Podcast. She'll be speaking at an event at UW-Madison tomorrow night that focuses on the growing mistrust in traditional media and how it's impacting democracy. Ahead of that, she spoke with WUWM's Chuck Kornbach. You can find more interviews like this one by visiting wuwm.com slash lake effect. And while you're there, subscribe to the Lake Effect Spotlight podcast. 